Hello and welcome back to the latest edition of Kansas City's Northeast Newscast. I'm your host, Paul Thompson. This week's guest on Kansas City's Northeast Newscast is East Patrol Major Greg Volker, formerly of Lurk, who replaced previous East Patrol Major Jim Thomas at the division in early June. I talked to Volker about his previous experience over more than two decades at KCPD, his strengths as a police officer, what he'll take with him from the Law Enforcement Resource Center, the benefits of security camera footage in KCPD investigations, how he's fitting in with officers at East Patrol, his management philosophy, his relationship with Chief of Police Rick Smith, his thoughts on the expansion of the community interaction officer position, Chief Smith's decision to embed social workers at each of Kansas City's six patrol divisions, and a host of other issues that are facing the East Patrol Division as he begins his tenure. Thank you for joining us this week for our conversation with East Patrol Commander Greg Volker. Enjoy the episode. Paul Thompson sitting here over at East Patrol alongside new Major Gregory Volker. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you very much for taking it. And I just wanted to start by talking a little bit about your career, how you got to East Patrol, and what you've been through uh, before before now. Well, I, I am I go, I go by Greg. And oh, there you go. Rather, Sorry. rather than Gregory. First mistake. I guess I should start this thing back nope. from the top. Nope, it's good. It's good. I, I go by Greg. Okay. Um, I have uh, I've been a major for for about five years, mm-hmm. and and the other command division command uh, divisions that I've had has been the Information Services Division, which had uh, records record keeping uh, technology pieces mm-hmm. as well as IT on the department, and also the last three and a half years, Law Enforcement Resource Center, where I was in charge of intel and analysis for the department in mm-hmm. a centralized fashion. So, uh, when the chief took, first took office, you know, uh, last August, <clears throat> I did mention to him that I would like to go back to a patrol division, and then he said that when time came, it would go, and I asked to, to come to a, to one of the, the harder working stations, because I do like to work, I do like to get, I do like to work with the community, and so he chose me to come to East Patrol, that's how I ended up here. Okay. So, essentially, you requested not necessarily East Patrol, but you wanted to be Urban Corps. Correct. Okay. Correct. And so, and I, I've ever never actually worked East Patrol. Oh, really? I spent a lot of time in East Patrol, mm-hmm. just in my other assignments. So, a uh, little bit about me: I am uh, I've been on for twenty about twenty six years, uh, sworn maybe twenty six and a half with the academy time. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of my time, my early early years were in South Patrol. I mean, sorry, in the Center Patrol Division. Oh, sure. Um, and I worked the one hundred and forty sector, which bounded up to Prospect. Okay. Uh, at that time, I did some time in street narcotics and the tactical enforcement side. I was a crime analyst for a little bit of a time when officers were crime analysts at that time. Oh, interesting. Over 21 years ago. And they've since, what, privatized it? Or, or they are civilians. Yeah, civilians. And that happened about 2002. So okay. but in 1990, early 97, I was a crime analyst. Hmm. I made sergeant in 1997 as well. Um, I went back to Center Patrol as a sergeant. Uh, worked uh, the dog watch, the day shift there as well. Uh, got involved with the community work. I became the operations sergeant. At Center Patrol, mm-hmm. I also was a <clears throat> grant manager for Weed and Seed, mm-hmm. which What's was that? a uh, which was a program federal federal sponsored program under the first President Bush, and then carried over with a little bit with the, under President Clinton, where we would weed out crime and seed in uh, positive natures into the environment. So oh, okay. proper, proper housing, taking care of housing issues, trash, such as that. So I was a, I was a coordinator for that for about a year. Okay. I uh, went to the homicide unit. I had a homicide squad for a little bit, and then we restarted an in intelligence unit within the homicide unit called Perpetrator Information Center. Okay. And managed that until about 2003. How did that um, subunit work? 
Actually, it, uh, it's tremendous. <clears throat> there's, there's always been a, I guess you could say, records that we've always kept on unknown bad individuals. Mm-hmm. But working cases and making sure that we get suspect descriptions, we have, would have the old mug shots and photographs of people. So taking the information that was related to criminal activity and working with the detectives to help identify crime. And so that's through intel analysis. That's a technique, law enforcement technique I became involved in and started working. So in 2003, I went to uh, financial investigations in narcotics advice division. I worked drug nexus money laundering, most four and a half years federal cases on our mid-level and high-level drug dealers, working with the IRS and the ATF, uh, seizing, seizing drug money. How sophisticated were those money laundering operations they that you came across? Take a very long time, and they're, they're, uh, individuals are very good in hiding their money. Even somebody who's like a street dealer, or are these people who well, are above that level usually? Uh, they really work street dealers. Street dealers they work for somebody else. Right. They have to get their product from somebody. So, narcotics and vice division, drug enforcement unit. We try and do our best to work into uh, try and do our best to work at the upper level. Individuals actually get large amounts of product. Large amount of product has a lot of money coming through, mm-hmm. uh, millions of dollars in fives, tens, and twenties. And is it usually like on you see on TV or something where they they've got front operations or something of that nature? Sometimes, or? sometimes it happens that way. Some of them have fronts. Some of them run out of their houses. Sometimes they run out of the back ends of their cars. Hmm. Um, it it depends on how sophisticated they want to be and how intelligent they want to be and whether or not they want to get caught or not. <laughs> I imagine there's a. Plenty of motivation to avoid detection on exactly. that stuff, too. So. Exactly. So I uh, promoted to captain. I did some time with our North Patrol and our South Patrol divisions on the, as a night, the, the midnight shift commander. Okay. I uh, went to records, information services, did some project management on IT projects. Was inside for about 10 years doing technology work, and then here I am back out at East Patrol. Wow. So it seems like you've done a little bit of everything, although it's uh, – did I understand right? This is a – it's, this is what you were asking for when you talked correct. to, to uh, Chief Smith, is that you wanted to be in charge of a patrol division. Correct. That's correct. I, <clears throat> I like to, uh, well, in the last three and a half years, I've been looking at crime numbers mm-hmm. throughout the cities. And I know each patrol has a high level of calls for service, mm-hmm. has a high level of crime, uh, level of violence as well. And, and there's a lot of fear in the neighborhoods here. And so I, I've known that. I've seen that for, for, for a long time now. And I wanted to come here and do my best to work with the community to reduce those things, reduce crime, and not just you know, push crime someplace else, but begin to work with the community, work with the, the different social services that are out there to try and stop people from committing crime. And I know it's a lofty goal, mm-hmm. um, but I have to start somewhere. Based on what you, you saw at Lyric, what separates East Patrol from some of the other divisions that KCPD has? Well, for instance, the, the boundary station we have is Center Patrol, which has... You know, three entertainment districts in it. It has mm-hmm. the Power and Light, the, the Westport area, and then the Plaza. Uh, East Patrol does not have those entertainment districts in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, East Patrol has a, a lot of residential areas. Uh, some of the residential areas are, are a lot more rental properties than there are owner properties. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of major thoroughfares that go to some of the outside outskirts of the city and the Independence and further into Raytown and, you know, and then Blue Springs and other areas. So we are a kind of a thoroughfare as well. We have a lot of transient uh, vehicles that move through our city, going to the downtown area to work or other areas and through our highways and then the small areas, Independence Avenue, Truman Road, mm-hmm. uh, are links to the outside outside uh, communities as well. So that, that in itself brings, you know, populations moving quite a bit during the daytime hours, nighttime and not so much, more static. Mm-hmm. 
um, but we have a, you know, a lot of low-income housing, uh, individuals who may not have uh, attained their proper education and they begin to become survivalists, mm-hmm. and survivalists sometimes commit crime to survive, and that the victims are those who are working that have things that people can take. Right. What's your impression of the historic Northeast community, if you've had a chance? Obviously, I reckon I, um, I report on behalf of that community. I know it's only been a couple of weeks since you've been in here, but... Uh, initial and obviously you have a chance to look at the numbers related to the Northeast when you're in Lurk as well. But since you've been at East Patrol, what, what's been your impression of the Northeast community? Well, I, I actually love the Northeast community. Um, I'm a, a history buff. Mm-hmm. That I, I like to read on history, and I do that. With the the Northeast area is one of the first areas in Kansas City that was developed. Mm-hmm. Um, some very large homes, large homes still standing. One of the favorite museums I had to go to when I was a kid was the Kansas City Museum, mm-hmm. and it's still. With my children, one of the things I like to take them to is the Kansas Museum to see that, to see, to experience that. Um, and so, like I said I've never lived in that area, but I do have a vested interest in it because I have visited there when I was before I became a law enforcement. I had visited that area, so I know it's in transition. There's a lot going on. I know the some of the neighborhoods have worked together to reduce a lot of the crime, to clean up the parks, to work with people. So I actually drove through there last weekend. I actually had people waving at me, which is always fun for me. Yeah, there we go. It's nice. What, what did uh, outgoing Major Thomas let you know about the Northeast before he, so he uh, uh, during the transition? The good thing about you know, Major Thomas and Jim, Jim and I, we've worked together in the past. He was he worked with me uh, when in the Law Enforcement Resource Center for a while okay. when I first went there. Um, it is a very viable community uh, that wants to make a difference in this city and ensure that not just crime goes down, but the individuals take ownership of their property, and the law enforcement, the police department, we are are part of that. We're part of the solution, and I like to be part of a, of problem solving and not problem causing. And so, the more the more I get involved in it, it's why when I I've been uh, reading the uh, the online Northeast News for for quite a while now. Oh, nice. Thank so, <laughs> it uh, it does help me to keep track of what the community thinks in the, in the area because yeah, you know I, I, as I told the chief when he asked me if I would want to come here I was like this is our department this is our city mm-hmm. and I want to do the best we can to make it a good place to live at good. well we might have to use that for a testimonial later I appreciate you bringing up that you, you read up on the Northeast News online I do um, so obviously you've had a lot of different roles in the department what, what do you think you're what did you find the most enjoyable and what do you think best suited your skills so I, I was in the military prior to, to me coming in, in into this this profession here. Mm-hmm. Um, I try and be a, a out front leader. I, I like to meet people, talk to people. I like to find out what other people, um, what problems other people see versus myself. Mm-hmm. And then I take other people's ideas and I try to make them work. Um, a lot of times uh, I have in my previous jobs. I have had a great working relationship with the city and all different elements, and from public works to the uh, city manager's office uh, to their information technology. And you know, I've got great relationships with the city of Kansas City, and I have no, no issues that if there's a problem that we as a community, and I consider law enforcement to be part of the community, mm-hmm. we need to go in there together to work with the city on these problem solving. That's what we'll do. Excellent. Now, specifically from, from LERT, Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'll ask, well, what elements of the day-to-day there will you take with you to East Patrol? Well, I actually have a person assigned here to East Patrol that was under me there at LERC as our crime analyst. Uh, you brought them along with you? Nope, they were actually here already. Oh, okay. Uh, when Chief Smith took over, 
each of the crime analysts went back to the division stations. Uh, they had been under me centralized. Mm -hmm. And then last August, they went back to the division station. So uh, Deborah Hagen is the crime analyst that works at East, at East Patrol. She's assigned to the LARC to lurk. Mm. Uh, but she works here with me. And so that is one touch that I have with the LARC. I'm also uh, extremely involved with the Real Time Crime Center mm -hmm. and extremely involved with Watch KC. That was a program that was initiated when I was there as well. And a lot of different other aspects of the Real Time Crime Center as they continue to try and get access to more cameras mm -hmm. and more staffing to allow them to operate more often. And I have an initiative to try and work with the Real Time Crime Center that they can assist my officers on calls for service looking at camera footage of prior to our arrival so we can mm -hmm. get better descriptions of suspect vehicles and or suspects. Um, see, observe things that, uh, that a, a camera is wonderful because it has no emotion. It right. only shows you what is out there. It doesn't and have so, a, a faulty memory. Exactly. So using the cameras for, to, to assist with the, with the citizens out there and also with problem solving. So I'm familiar with that, the Real-Time Crime Center. And then, um, you know, other technologies out there, I'll do my best to see if we can assimilate that into the area, like the Northeast, um, and the cameras and the operation there. So, Yeah, and I know the... Um the Watch KC program is something that, that has been embraced, as far as I can tell, in the Northeast community. There's been at least a couple of incidents already where those cameras have, have helped solve a crime. Well, they're and they've by, been they're, to... they're, well, they're by one, one of the things that investigators do, and I, I spend a lot of time in investigations, um, you, you're always looking for that good witness mm -hmm. that actually has the ability to go to court, that has the ability to, to give a good testimonial. And so a lot of citizens really like the neighborhood they live in. But you can't watch out your front door 24-7. Right. A camera can do that. Mm -hmm. And the camera is kind of non-biased because it runs all the time. Right. And you're never going to say, well, I put my camera on exactly when this crime is going to occur. Because I knew it was going to occur this way. Right. And so this way it takes out you know, any negativity towards the homeowner as well. Because they're not going to be biased. It's just a camera rolling. Right. So going to court, the camera, the, the film, film itself can go to court. And so you may ask the homeowner to say, uh, did you put the camera in? Is it set up? Does it run 24-7? But everything else is all the camera is the piece that goes there. Because if, if it's not a 24-7 camera, then you, the question comes up, well, why did you set this up at this exact time? Correct. You know, that kind of deal. Correct. And then you wonder if there had been some sort of bias or something Correct. of that nature. So, and that's, that's kind of like uh, with, the, with the computers and the recording of, uh, of uh, a video statement, whatever. You know, is it an unbiased Recording was that recording interrupted? Was it spliced? You know, in the old days of mm -hmm. taking film and splicing at each other. Oh yeah. Was it was it tampered with anybody? Anybody? So that's the that's the when we go to court. Good logical sequence of events. Excellent. Now, I know it's only been as I mentioned before a couple of weeks, but how has your experience been taking over at East Patrol and, and getting to to know the the officers here? It's been wonderful. Um, well, there's, there's over a hundred officers here, and. Each of them bring different elements to, to, to East Patrol that, that's different. They're all, they all have different ideas, some different levels of experience. Um, I've actually gone out. I wear a vest. I go out in the, call, uh, the field when we're short of cars, and I, I've made a few calls this, this last two weeks. Yeah. And I get to know the officers that are out there. Also get to learn the community a little bit. Um, I did get a chance to walk through uh, the Scarrett Renaissance neighborhood last, last weekend. Uh, we had an event up there. I got to walk and talk to some people up there. And so cool. just getting back into the community again is, is kind of refreshing to me. It's what I did when I first came on. Right. And that's been most of my, um, for like the most last 19 years working either investigations or in administration. 
Interesting. So it, it must be refreshing to get back out there and, and have that FaceTime with the community. It is. The community is uh, it's what we're about. I mean, we don't come to work here. Most law enforcement people, it is a calling that you do. Mm-hmm. And once you get into it, you realize that uh, you can work better. And I'm a huge proponent of community policing. I, when I first started community policing, I was a, one of the first individuals that got the training on that. And then as time went on, I became a, a teacher of it as we pushed it out throughout the rest of the department between 1992 and 97. It kind of pushed out. Um, and some people embrace it. Some people don't. But I'm an embracer of community policing. Excellent. Can you maybe describe your management style and, and how you, I know obviously you mentioned 100 or so officers working at East Patrol. What's your kind of hope to, in, in terms of being that leader at this department? Well, I, I've been leading people here in Kansas City for, for over 20 years. Um, 21 years ago, I, I was promoted sergeant. Uh, prior to that, I was a sergeant when I was in the military. I had some leadership training when I was in the military. I've been to the FBI National Academy as well, mm-hmm. uh, another leadership academy for, for, for law enforcement. I'm a, I believe in participative management. I believe that every individual has value. Every individual has knowledge base that, that I don't have. And so a collective understanding of problems and problem solving is a better way. So I like to bring other people involved in discussions. Um, my idea is not always the right idea. So I try and do what the right thing is, and participative management allows the right thing to occur versus what I want, and what you need to do is the right thing, which uh, is very difficult to define, but it has to do with, you know, kind of whatever the right thing is. Sometimes it's hard, the hard road to go down mm-hmm. and takes a lot of time and effort to, to, rather than doing it the easy way. Sure. That's, what I, that's what I get out of participative management. Excellent. Uh, you, you mentioned, well, I guess... I'll ask it this way. Have you noticed that since you've been here that there's any infrastructure that's not in place that you would like to bring in that maybe you can incorporate from some of your other experiences? Or is it too early to say you're going to make any wholesale changes? Well, the, the East Patrol Division is a, is a new, new division. Mm-hmm. And some of the, a lot of the technology that's already existing here, I helped part in. That was part of my, part of my previous jobs I had is making sure that we had the technology that's here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some technology that exists in some areas of the city that for instance, shot spotter, mm-hmm. a very expensive technology piece. And it's static in an area where, and I don't know how well it would work in some other areas of the city because it's designed to work in an area where there's nobody there who's going to call the police. Right. For instance, when shot spotter was set up and put in and, I, and tested in 2012 and initiated in 2013, 5,000 shots were, were, uh, were tested to test the sensors in this area. And the 5,000 shots and a bullet sounds and even it's going into a barrel it still has a sound to it and zero people called the police in that area hmm. when 5,000 shots went off now I know in the neighborhoods in the northeast and especially as you further come further south uh, a shot fire comes out they're, they're going to call right so that's one of the that's where shot spotter really is effective at is where people have such apathy they just don't call the police anymore right so um, but there's a lot of technology that they like to get into into the cars uh that are out there, and I'm still working with the LARC and, and making sure that what the analysts see can get to the police officers as well. So they have a better understanding of, uh, for instance, where is the best place to sit at if you are if you don't have a call for service and you're looking to stop individuals from causing traffic accidents, where's the best place to sit at? Right. So I'm going to get that technology out to the officers so they have that at their fingertips and they can make those decisions. Because I like to empower people to make decisions. I know that they'll make mistakes in the process of that, but that you learn from your mistakes, and I, I embrace the learning from that. 
versus the negative aspect of mistakes. Oh, good. What's your relationship like with Chief of Police Rick Smith? Uh, Chief Smith and I, we go back since I first came on. He's, he was on a couple of years, and he was in the tactical unit when I first came on. Um, known him from, from, from the time I came on. Um, I got pleasure working with him when I was in the homicide unit. Uh, he had a homicide squad. I had a homicide squad. I worked in the perpetrator information center when he was there as well. Hmm. And over the years, we've worked together. Um, me behind the scenes, technology, trying to support him as he was here at E Patrol and also at Center Patrol, as a commander there. So he and I talk weekly, um, sometimes daily, as needed. And I'm very supportive of what he's trying to do, which is trying to bring uh, some of the focused ideas he had at East Patrol and at Center Patrol to the department. And in terms of some of his big, I guess I don't. I'm trying to think of a better word, but like uh, maybe splashier ideas, and that's probably not the right word anyways, but um, in terms of, one, incorporating a second CIO, which we just reported on, Mm -hmm. uh, there's going to be two at each patrol division. You've got two here, uh, two at Central Patrol, which are kind of primarily the ones that will cover our area, and also bringing in social workers for every patrol division. Um, I guess I'll ask you about those two separately. What, what, What are your thoughts on incorporating the second CIO? And they are, well, that the social worker, they're, they're all integral parts. If you're a citizen in the community and you don't understand law enforcement, you don't understand what law enforcement does, you know, time you see them as if you have a, a major incident that occurred, a crime that occurred. Mm-hmm. And so you call the police and they show up in the car and they talk to you about that individual crime part that happened and then they leave. Mm-hmm. So having a connection to a police officer who can actually listen to your problems that may not be relate to a call for service, but relate to issues that happen there. So uh, having an individual who's available more hours of the day. You know, mm-hmm. Some people, they, they work eight hours a day. They come home and they have issues, and the CIO who worked in the daytime is off. You may send a, a voicemail or you have, a, have an email that goes out, but you don't get any con- connection with them. So the person who works evening time is someone's there to answer the phone, become, come and visit and discuss things. So that's great. Another avenue we didn't have before, along with the social worker. There are a lot of people that that have issues mm-hmm. that uh, are kind of uh, the voiceless in the community. They don't have any. They don't know any city council members. Uh, they don't belong to or, or, or feel comfortable talking to individuals within their, their neighborhood and their community. And they're kind of voiceless, but they still have issues. Mm-hmm. And so law enforcement gets called to those houses, and we don't always have the time and or the resources to help them right there. There may not be a violent crime, for instance, but they have an issue, and so we can come back. We know how to get a hold of our social worker and our CIO, which kind of work hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And they'll go out and they'll work those problems at a later time to help give them social services. Um, you know, if somebody, if somebody is starving and has no idea how to get how to get food. That's kind of what the social worker does. Law enforcement kind of kind of help that. You're your police officer, but not always as effectively as a social worker. Right, and if you're out on patrol, then generally there's a, a backlog of calls that you right. got to hit. Unfortunately, unfortunately there is. And so, you know, we've, uh, and, if, and if any, you know, anybody in the community doesn't understand what we do, I invite them to come talk to us, come to a community meeting when we're there, or, you know, come do a ride-along. Interesting. If somebody did want to do a ride-along, what would be the, the way for them to kind of Well, they can out? either contact uh, our COs to do that. They can come into the police station and, mm-hmm. and contact our front desk and say, I want to ride along with, with law enforcement. So, and as long as uh, the individual doesn't have some, you know, past history that's going to make them you know contingent in the in the police guard that may not a violent criminal history violent criminal but uh we we do our best to explain everything we do in any manner way right along is just one of them Hmm. so whether 
you have a violent history and you're not violent anymore, you still want to work with law enforcement, we are here for that. And we'll try different avenues to do that. Excellent. Now, when I spoke, well, obviously in my conversations, we've done coverage with the social workers, we've done coverage with the community interaction, interaction officers, and one of these topics that continuously comes up for this area, particularly the Northeast, but East, East Patrol in general, is homelessness and some of the issues that kind of arise when you have camps that are in a community. What's been your impression of the homeless issue in, in this? Well, that's an interesting facet that you, you bring into to the conversation because it's not criminal. Right. But there are individuals within that population that, that commit petty crime, mm-hmm. petty crime to, to live. Prior, you know, when I worked at Center Patrol Division, there's a homeless population there as well, mm-hmm. working with the community on that. You know, realizing that there are individuals out there who want to help the homeless because you have a twofold problem. Are the services available that the homeless want to accept and do they want to have help? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, studies have shown that a lot of homeless individuals have mental deficiencies. Right. Uh, they may have uh, uh, some kind of a diagnosed mental condition that they need to have medication for and they can't afford the medication. Right. That, that causes them to supplement through other means, which gets into the criminal aspect of it. Um, some of them are anti-society. They don't want to be with anybody else. They don't want to live. They don't want to follow the rules of society. So, you know, being homeless and living on your own, you don't have to follow the rules of society, so to speak, because they just kind of put up camps wherever they want to put up, mm-hmm. and which is not always good and conducive for the neighborhood. So um, most of the homeless people are not bad people. They just, um, a lot of them have issues that... They don't want to fit into what we would consider normal, but really what is normal. Right. So, you know, I, I know uh, with uh, Trina Miller, social worker, uh, Greg Smith, and, and Patrick Bird, the CIOs here, they're working, trying to work with the homeless camps and working with the neighborhoods to identify the areas they have problems and see if there's any kind of solution we can come up with. On that issue, is there, I mean, I, and one of the things I talked to the CIOs about, both here and at Central Patrol when I did the extended interviews with them, is that... I asked this question that is it fair that kind of the onus has fallen on PD to to step in and try to address the homeless issue and the transient issue and and the fact that there's these camps sprouting out throughout the community. Um, Should it be something that is resolved at the state level, at the county level, at the city level? Well, or what what can those entities do to help PD that they're not doing? When you're dealing with, for instance, with the homeless population you're dealing with humans and human has human nature and every homeless person has a different perspective on where they fit into the world at so it's difficult to say let's pass a law let's pass a state law or a federal law um, giving homeless certain kinds of rights or certain kinds of abilities to live certain places or restricting some of their rights behind it so it becomes a law enforcement problem because of the fact that um, most of them they do have gotten involved in, in a law enforcement problem in the past so, and we have the ability to connect with the community um, to keep the community safe from homeless individuals who might have a, a diagnosed mental problem mm-hmm. that uh, could cause them to be maybe violent. And so a homeless, uh, a, uh, a neighborhood trying to confront homeless individuals, they may become a violent, mm-hmm. which is not good for the, home, for, the, for the neighborhood association to deal with that violence. Right. So law enforcement can help uh, not stop that, but remedy that a little bit. And then we have access to a lot of the resources with the cities and and trying to work with the individuals in, in the mental health field, which is where the social worker really comes into play at. Because there, there are some resources, no matter how long 
We try and do it. We just don't have time to deal with it. But the social worker has ends and connections that we don't and referrals to different individuals to help them. And that, of course, it always goes down the bottom line of does the homeless people want help? Right. Or do they want to live with their, how they're living and not be bothered by anybody else? Huh. Good answer. Now, outside of homelessness, what are some substantial issues that you've seen at each patrol thus far? Well, narcotics has always been a problem, been a problem for a long time. Narcotics usage, um, the individuals who use it, which causes their own life problems they have, they loss of money for the illicit drugs that's out there, uh, the potential um, ability to try and get the money for that, and sometimes petty crime or burglaries happen from that, strong arm robberies happen from that, um, to the, the loss of, of income from jobs because they when uh, certain kind of drugs cause certain reactions in the human body and they, and they don't, individuals don't feel like they need to go to work or take care of their children, which cause other problems as well. So narcotics to me is, is one of the major problems out here. Solutions behind that, there's a lot of different ideas on that, but that's kind of long-term. There's also uh, violence. Violence is a, is a tremendous problem. Mm-hmm. Since the laws were passed in Missouri to allow individuals to carry weapons if they're not convicted felons, um, individuals now have the desire to carry weapons with them to protect themselves, which I am all for individuals protecting themselves. What also we found uh, is that individuals, when they're protecting themselves and carrying a weapon, if they get into an argument with somebody, that uh, they may use that weapon to defend themselves in an argument. Mm-hmm. And so weapons present in an argument is never a good, never a good situation. It's an easy crutch, I guess, uh, if and you can't resolve it with uh, exactly. official language. There's been a few times over the last uh, few years where we have homicide victims and homicide suspects that have zero criminal history. Hmm. Uh, they're not involved in the criminal element. But they, they are now a suspect and or a victim of a homicide because they, a weapon was present during a discussion or argument that, that turned violent. Mm-hmm. So that's that's an issue that we have to deal with as well. And then you have, of course, the, the normal issues of of individuals looking at uh, at property that's over here. You have a lot of property damages, um, breaking into old houses um, that you know would have the potential of uh, an abandoned house have a, have a potential of being refurbished and relived in again very very successfully. But you go into it, and so much damage is done to it that the house would cost more to fix it than it's worth. Mm-hmm. That's another problem in the, in the neighborhood here. Oh. That it's, it, it's difficult. It's a law enforcement problem, but then it becomes the neighborhood problem and then the city's problem because you have abandoned property. Right, and I know they've got a program to address that, but it's almost as if, uh, you know, for every step you take, there's another one that gets added to yes. the list, too. So. Yes, um, well, I appreciate you being so generous with your time. I will ask before we break here, what message would you like to send to residents of this historic Northeast and within East Patrol about what they can expect under your, uh, during your tenure here? That everybody in the community, is like, like my officers, deserves respect, and I want to make sure respect goes out there you know, really, really hard to everybody. We respect people's opinions and, and way, the way people live their lives out there. Uh, the officers here can be empowered to do the best. We, we enforce the law, and we work with the community to enforce the laws fairly and, you know, I shouldn't say anonymously, but fairly across the board. Uh, we don't select uh, what we do. We, we, get, we go where we're called, and we try and reduce crime in that manner. So we're going to work with the community to reduce crime. That's, that's what we're here for. And then problem solving on other issues. We do have a lot of connections, and you know, we are part of the community. That is, I guess, the best message to put out. We are part of the community. It just happens that uh, 
our job is to enforce the law. Excellent. Well, I'll go ahead and turn this thing off. I appreciate you taking the time. Yes, sir. So there you have it. That was our conversation with Kansas City Police Department East Patrol Major Greg Volker, who recently took over for outgoing Major Jim Thomas. As always, we appreciate you tuning in to this episode of Kansas City's Northeast Newscast, and we hope you'll check us out again soon. This is your host, Paul Thompson, signing off. Hey!